excited to worship with you today. Let's put our hands together as we worship the King of Kings. And you have We missed you guys so much that I want to literally tackle you all right now. <laughs> I got a chance to hug a lot of people in the lobby, but if I haven't hugged you yet, consider this your hug. Yeah. So good to be back. 
Yeah, it's so good to be back. You can be seated. We got a very special day planned for all of you. And for some of you that have uh, known about this, we've been on a sabbatical and just returning. But hasn't the last four weeks been amazing? The guest speakers, those who have come in, as well as those who are part of the house, they've done so amazing. Our team has done incredible. Uh, it was so seamless that I was a little nervous that I'd even be missed coming back. Like, but, but we are so thankful and so appreciative for your willingness to allow us to just simply get rest. And that rest and refreshing was beautiful. And I just want you to know the Lord met us there as well. But we just want to say thank you. Thank you to the board. Thank you to our staff. Thank you to the elders. Thank you to the servant leaders. Thank you to uh, our, our dear parents. Um, there's so many of you that did so much in our absence. And what was amazing to us was to see how God used this time to grow the church. How many know, not only did the church grow in, in numbers, but spiritually, people got saved, people got healed, people got delivered. Come on, somebody. Listen, this thing ain't built on us. It never has been. It never will be. It's built on Jesus Christ and Him alone. And uh, so we put our thankfulness in Him as well, for Him as well, for leading this church well. We're so honored to be back and grateful, but we want to take a moment and welcome all those that are joining with us for the first time. If it's your first time here today or watching online, can you just give it up for all those that are here for the very first time? We're so glad you're here. Yeah, and we want to make sure you feel so welcomed. We want you to feel right at home here. And if you do us a favor, we'd love to get to know you a little bit better if you're here in the service after the service out these doors in the foyer if you just turn left you'll see uh, right before you walk out the main doors you'll see a special guest reception prepared just for you and we would be so honored to greet you and get to know even, you a little bit better if you've been here the last four weeks but That's we right. haven't met you please come by and, and meet us and we would love to just connect with you for just a moment even if you've already been there and we'll give you some M&Ms, but we still just want That's to right. connect with you. I've got a chance to meet an amazing family in the lobby um, since we've been gone, that they've been coming. They're like, oh, yeah, we've been here. I'm like, yeah. okay, well, we're the pastors. So it's nice <laughs> to meet you. Like, but anyways, yes, please come by and just say hi and let us um, just connect with you. We'd love to do that. Yeah, we want to give you a gift for joining with us for the first time. And if you're watching online, you can do us a favor. You see on the screen that uh, you can scan that little uh, QR code. Let us know a little more about you. Or if you're here in the building, if you'll take a moment, just fill out that connection card that's in the seat pocket in front of, in front of you. And then bring that with you to our guest reception. We'll exchange that for a gift today. And as you can see, all the things to, to connect to, we're about ready uh, to launch into a new school year, which means we launch into new life groups. We're excited about that uh, in the days to come. You can share your testimony or what God's been doing in your life using that QR code. And I would really encourage all of you to go through Grow Track. And if you haven't done that, we're about ready to relaunch into that as well as baptism. 
and child dedication. If you would like to be baptized or dedicate a child, we'd be so honored to be a part of that celebration. Well, listen, we got some amazing things happening, and we want you to be aware of them. First of all, we want you to know that Wednesday, we have a special night of worship. Yes. We're relaunching into Wednesdays, yes. and we're going to have a night of worship. It's going to yes. be powerful. Yes. You don't want to miss that. Everyone come out and be a part of that very special night at 6.30. 6.30, right here so, in the sanctuary. That's right. So uh, please be ready to worship the King of Kings. We're going to come in. And listen, I know some of you are going back to school or back to college, and you need this worship time. It's going to be uh, ascending for you. Some of you, you need a healing touch in your body. You're going to need this night of worship. I'm believing God for miracles in the house. So it's going to be incredible time. And as well, we've got a special time of really serving our city. That's right. August 12th. Everybody say that. August 12th. We are going to go serve our city. Listen, guys, I'm going to try to make this really short because of our time. But we have three different projects in our city that we are going to be taking care of and ministering to those who minister really honestly to the broken and to the orphan. We are going to go to the DHR building and help them paint and help them organize some closets. There's a room there that if they have to bring a kit, get, go get a kit in the middle of the night and just they, they want a room there. They have one, but we're going to help them decorate it. We're going to help them paint it and just make it look nice. So when those children come in the middle of the night or during the day, they will have a nice, clean, organized place to go. So we're going to be going to the DHR building. We're going to also be going to the Chrysalis Girls Home, and those are uh, where they take care of, it's, it's kind of like a foster care, but they live there for girls ages 10 to 18, and we're going to help them organize and clean their uh, building, as well as going to be doing some planting of some uh, plants for um so I think it's daring to hope. I always want to say dare to hope, dare to hope. But what we're going to do, team, is uh, church, we're going to be here at 8 o'clock on August the 12th. We're going to have donuts for you, coffee. We're going to give you your assignment. We're going to give you a T-shirt. And we're going to divide up and conquer and go love on our community. How many of you are excited about that? Yeah, I know I am. Right. Yes. And listen, even if you can't come the whole time, maybe if you give us a couple of hours, Please just sign up. We have a QR code right there, and there's a uh, somewhere uh, in the lobby that you can sign up to be a part of this as we love on our city. Yeah, so to, today, let's be Jesus' hands extended. Yeah. And uh, in a time where, really, people know that you love them when you serve them. Yeah. And we're going to believe God to be the hands of Jesus extended to our city during that special serve day. Well, listen, as I mentioned, we have a special uh, day today and one of these very special moments is baptism and I have to tell you you're about to witness a very special baptism of my dear dear friend Mike Bales who many of you know God spared him a number of times from tragedy and uh, we're believing God to continue a miracle work in him today so if you would please go ahead and turn to our baptistry can you give it up for mike bales today come on good morning dothan first uh today is a wonderful day it's a wonderful first and foremost because it's a day that the lord has made but also it's a wonderful day because we get to celebrate water baptism with mr michael bales today 
Water baptism is an outward expression, a declaration, if you will, about your faith in Jesus Christ. And when it comes to faith, I'll tell you that Michael Bells is a man of an excellent faith. He believes and he trusts God no matter what. Years ago, Michael was diagnosed with cancer. And the Lord delivered him from that. He healed him miraculously. As Pastor Mark said, his hand has been upon him many times in his life. Well, Mike has recently been diagnosed again with the return now of this cancer. But God's done it before, and he can do it again. I say that emphatically because I'm believing for that every day, and so is Mike. His faith has not been hindered one ounce. In fact, the last time he went to the doctor, his numbers were looking better. So God's already at work. Amen. Also years ago, Michael was baptized. And like me, I was baptized as a teenager. But I didn't rem remember a whole lot about it. And so I wanted to be baptized again later on when I was fully aware, fully coherent and absorbing every moment of it. That's where Michael is today. He wants to get baptized again today, fully aware of everything. So, Michael, I ask you the question today. Do you love Jesus? Yes, I do. I know Amen. you do. I know you do. And do you acknowledge him as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes, I do. And do you want to serve him now and for the rest of your life? Always. Yes, Man, that's great. Well, based on your profession of faith today, it's now my privilege and my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come on, can you give it up for Mike? Yeah. Hey, go ahead. Mike, I want you to just step up to the mic for just yeah. a moment. And and has God been faithful to you, my friend? He's always faithful. Can you, stretch your, yeah. can you stretch your hands out toward this man as we pray over him right now? Lord Jesus, we thank you for a miracle touch, God, in his body. And we believe God now for a miracle healing, a miracle result. God, as Aubrey so eloquently said, you've done it before and you can do it again. And we thank you in advance for the healing touch in his body. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. Amen. Amen. We love you, man. We love you. Wow. It's just awesome. Well, friends, today you may need a touch in your body. You may need to have a physical need. Or maybe for some of you, it's not a physical need. It may be a spiritual, a financial, emotional, a relational need. Whatever it may be, you need to know our elders are here to pray for you. They're your elders. And so I'm going to invite our eldership team, if you would simply make your way toward our various stations of prayer. And we're going to have people praying right here toward this exit sign and back in the back toward this exit sign and up in the balcony on this side. And some may ask, well, why do you have them meet in those strategic locations? Well, it's simply two reasons. One, because you can hear better in those locations and you can really have an opportunity to pray and hear those prayers. But the second reason is if there's ever a need that goes beyond that initial prayer time, uh, they can just slip right out the doors or go to our cafe or uh, continue to minister where needed. But today, I'm believing God for you. I'm believing God for a miracle for you. I've seen him work before, and I know he can do it again. So today, I want you to stretch out your faith as we continue uh, to prepare to worship the Lord in song. Before we do...
part of worship is our giving. And one of the things that we do around here is we consider giving a part of worship. It's not a secondary part. It is just as significant as singing a song because it's the giving of our life, giving of what God has already given unto you. And so you see the five ways to give. Uh, we don't pass the plate, but you can uh, simply give on the way out today. If you have a giving envelope and you want to get giving credit, you can do it that way. But I want to I stretch out our faith today to believe God for the impossible. And if you'll join with me, I'm going to pray a prayer to that end. Lord Jesus, we stretch out our faith believing for miracles. Miracles, Lord, first in our finances as we give unto you, as well as the continuation of the miracle result in our spirit that you've done great and powerful things already. You've done it before, and I know you'll do it again, Lord. God, I continue to pray for healing miracles in this house. I pray for salvation in this place. Lord, those who are away from God, that they would come close to you. Lord, those who've never known you before would come and be a part of this journey of faith. And Lord, I do celebrate the goodness of God in this place, and I speak health and life over each person over their family, over their finances, over their future. Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you that you do all things well. It's in Jesus' name we pray it all. Amen. Amen. Would you stand up with us? Let's worship the King together. And if you need prayer, just slip out from where you're at. Go to those stations of prayer and receive prayer today from your elders. to glory. 
Can you just do that for another moment? Can you just thank him in your own way, your own words? Just begin to thank him for who he is. Just open your mouth and begin to thank God for what he's done in your life. Lord, you've been good. You've been faithful. God, you've been amazing. Lord, you are good. Your mercies endure forever. God, we thank you for your love. 
your gift of, Lord, freedom and forgiveness that you gave to us at the cross of Jesus Christ. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for the, the, the sacrifice you made on that cross. But, Lord, thank you that you didn't just stay in that tomb, that you rose again on the third day to give us new life, that you gave us freedom from sin and death and the grave. Thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you for your goodness. Your goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, today is a day of celebration. A celebration of his resurrection. We don't have to just celebrate it on Easter Sunday. We thank God every opportunity we get that we are reminded of his greatness, that he rose from the dead. Now, what I'd like for you to do is before you're seated, I just want you to turn to three or four people. Just give them a high five, handshake, fist bump, whatever. Just say, hey, God has been good. Come on. Let them know right now. Just remind them, God has been good. God has been good. And then you can go ahead and be seated. Well, welcome. Today, those that are joining with us for the first time, we're so honored that you're here. And those watching online for the first time, hey, can we give a huge shout out to those watching online for the first time? Come on, let's give it up for them. Welcome. We're so glad you're here, and we pray that you feel the presence of God where, wherever you're watching from, whether it's from your home or a hospital bed or wherever you're at, a coffee shop, maybe in your car listening as you're driving to work. My prayer is that you feel the overwhelming sense of the presence of Almighty God just invade that space that you're at right now, and that wherever you're watching, that you would just listen in and hear the words of life, because you're about to hear that today from one of the most amazing men of God I've ever met. Today, as we close out our sabbatical, it's been great. Like, we've been uh, following along and watching and listening. And, man, Larry Henderson, uh, missionary, all over, overseeing so many missionaries in Europe. Uh, what an amazing word of God that he brought. And then, uh, Pastor Will, thank you for the depth of word that you brought over the, those two weeks to follow. They were amazing. And I, I got so much out of that. And, and then, of course, Pastor Bart and uh, he being really a son of this house as a transplant over to Missouri City, Texas. Every last one has been amazing. And can you take a moment and thank God for each and every one of those amazing words this past month. But today, you know, uh, on Fourth of July celebrations, what I like to do is, is I like to shoot fireworks, but I always save this real big one for the very last thing that I do. And I, I believe today is like, Dad, the big firework I'm getting out and I'm lighting and, and getting away from it because I'm believing, God, that the anointing that's going to flow through you is going to be so powerful to touch this, this service and the generations to come, I believe, is going to get so much value out of this. So uh, as pastor of leadership development, my dad, as well as uh, my hero of faith, can you take a moment, stand to your feet, give a huge round of applause to Pastor Wayne Benson as he comes to share the word of God. Come on, dad. Yeah, it's going to be so good. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you for your kindness. I appreciate that. And aren't you glad that Pastors Mark and Michelle are home? Uh, we are so glad to have you guys back. Oh, my goodness. It was 
And yet we were thrilled that you were doing what you were doing. You're getting alone with God, spending time with each other, spending time with the Lord. Even as Jesus, I mean, he began his ministry with a sabbatical, right? And so we need those times, especially in these days. And so I'm very, very thankful for your generosity in wanting your pastors to be blessed with this time away, time with the Lord. And uh, so thank you for, you're always so kind to Kathy and me. We, we just so appreciate your, the way you bless us and welcome us into the house. You know, most guys my age have hung up their spurs. <laughs> it's true. They're not up here, you know, preaching from the pulpit like this anymore. And I, I get it because my legs and my voice and my lungs every once in a while remind me that my mind keeps making contracts that my body can't keep. And uh, so, now you know your pastor stands up here week after week and tells you stuff about his mischievous deeds that Kathy and I knew nothing about until we were sitting there on that pew <laughs> listening to him where he thinks he's now in the safety of this pulpit. So I'm going to tell you something on him today. Um, you know, well, I'm going to tell you, I'll start by telling you this. Your pastor, when he was young, when he was a boy, and even later into his teen years, he absolutely wanted nothing to do, he ran from the very idea of being in ministry. And I think one of the reasons, because people kept on saying, you're going to grow up to be a preacher like your daddy, you know. He was so sick of that. He was so tired of that. So I don't know if it was youthful independence uh, or not wanting to be in anybody's shadow. I don't, I don't blame you, son. I don't want to be in anybody's shadow either, <laughs> except for the Lord, right? But Despite his efforts to escape the call into ministry, I knew God had his hand on him. Not just necessarily for ministry, but I knew God had his hand on my son. Well, we used to do devotions in our home, and we lived in a tri-level home at that time. You don't even know what a tri-level is in Alabama, right? Everybody's on a slab, right? but a tri-level where our family room was downstairs about five steps down from the dining room. There was a banister that overlooked the family room. So Mark says on our devotional night on Tuesday nights, he says, I want to do devotions. Kathy and I looked at each other with a little bit of a shock and okay, well, that's great. And then we watched with great interest, as Mark ascended the five steps into the dining. Now, he's 10 years old. Into the dining area, overlooking the family room. So he's now standing, perched on the, you know, in the dining area over the banister, overlooking us down there in the family room. And I'm thinking, you know, what is this? Is he going to roast dear old dad? Is that, that what this is going to be all about? Uh, or was it, you know, what exactly, you know, what, what's going to happen here? But it was none of that. Our 10-year-old son stood up there at that banister, 
And he spoke the message that God gave him in his heart under an anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me ask you this question. How does a 10-year-old kid who has no comprehension yet of the function of the Holy Spirit and yet operate in a dimension of anointing from the Holy Spirit? How does that happen? Well, I'll talk about that in just a moment. But what I knew was that God had his hand on our son. And uh, I knew that God had touched him in, before he ever speak, spoke that message. But So any, the next time you see Mark ascend these steps, stand at the banister of the family room. Just think of being the family. I'm here glad you're in the family of God, right? Think of him as your pastor delivering his message to you from behind the banister of the dining room and you're in the family room. I like being in the family of God, don't you? All right, so you ready for the word this morning? As I prayed over this message, I was impressed of the Holy Spirit, especially that every young couple, every young believer, you guys that are sitting here in the front, others of you that are young people sitting here today, um, you must be very special because the Holy Spirit just kept putting your faces before me. You're on the heart of God today. And during the weeks that I've been praying about this message, God just kept focusing on young couples and the young people that are in this room today and those that are going to watch online or those that are going to watch in the, in the days ahead uh, from the archives. And of course, the message is for all of us because I want every person in this room and every person online to be blessed and to receive something from God at the end of this message. I know you're going to, because God spoke that to me. But I hope every teenager, I hope every millennial, my grandson, Savannah, all of you guys on the front row, I hope they didn't boycott Pastor Will, because uh, I would hate to think that they did, because this is for them. I hope every millennial, every Gen Z would hear not my voice this morning, but the voice of the Holy Spirit crying out for you today. This is for you. It is for you. And I promise you, this is not about some old guy's opportunity to get the youngsters in line. It's not it at all. It's not even the way I think. I was a college president not because of, I wanted some authority in some academic world. No, no, because I love the kids. I love the young people. And so it's about the power of the Holy Spirit to shape and empower young lives, especially those of you who need that from God. And as it is a word from the Holy Spirit, and I'm calling it the great equalizer. Say that with me, the great equalizer. Turn with me in your Bible, please, or your Bible app to the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. The Apostle Luke is assumed to have written this book, and we're quite sure that he did. And we often call it the Acts of the Apostles, but it, it might accurately be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. 
In fact, even broader than that, it might be called the acts of the Holy Spirit through his spirit-filled believers, not just the apostles. It's my burden that every believer in this room have a full toolbox with every tool, because guess what? You're going to need it. The good news is that the Holy Spirit was sent to planet Earth to do just exactly that. To give you everything you need to face the crisis that maybe you'll face someday. Everything that you need to resist the culture that wants to impact you every day. And so I call the Holy Spirit the great equalizer. So let's stand in honor of God's word if we could please and read this great promise. Let me set it up for you. Here Jesus, now the resurrected Christ, he's poised, ready to ascend into the heavens. He's shown himself alive for 40 days to at least 500 people that's recorded in the scriptures. And now he's giving them his last mandate. And he reminds them that John baptized in water But they would soon be baptized in a few days in the Holy Spirit with power if they would simply go into Jerusalem and wait for that endowment from power. And so when he says authority or power, here we go again. They come back to this. Well, is this when you're going to finally establish the overthrow of Rome and make Israel superior again? I mean, here it is. He's been with them all this time, and he's corrected them. And said, one more time, they have this misunderstanding about power. And so he says in verse 7, It is not for you to know periods of time or appointed times, which the Father has set by his own authority. In other words, oh, there's going to come a day, all right, when all authority is going to come under Christ. But that's not what he's talking about here. And then he makes this profound statement in verse 8 that will shift the tide of the human experience with God forever. He says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the remotest parts of the earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for this promise given through your Son, Jesus Christ. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to counter the resistance to the gospel. Spirit of the living God, loose the power of that promise over this house today in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. While you're being seated, turn to somebody, give them a smile and say, the great equalizer is in the house. Did you give me my water there, Kathy? I forgot to bring it up. How many of you have ever been in that place? Thank you, son. How many have ever been in that place where you felt totally inadequate to the task? You felt like you were over your head. You felt like you were being smothered by the circumstances and that you just weren't up to it. 
Put your hand up. Raise it up good and high. And keep it up for just a moment. I want every young person in this room, every young couple, I want you to look around and see all the hands that are raised of people that are young and old and my hand right at the top here. We needed God. You can put your hands down. Thank you. Paul says to young Timothy, despise not your youth. And I repeat those words to you today because they became extremely important to me in uh, my youthful years. When I was 17, the Sunday school superintendent of our church came into my high school class. I was actually in college, but most of the 17-year-olds were still in this class. She came into my high school class. She takes me out of the classroom, and I'm thinking, what did I do? And she says to me, Wayne, I want to put you in a class of preschool boys. She says they need a male image. And she gives me a quarterly, what they called a quarterly back then, which is like a lesson plan, and walks me into this department of, of preschools and puts me in this class of preschool boys. And I am shocked. I'm overwhelmed. I have no idea what I'm doing. I didn't, even, I didn't have a degree in psychology, pediatric psychology, and I didn't even have the teacher training program that everybody was supposed to go through before they did this kind of stuff. So there I am in this class of preschool boys. So I walk into this class of squirming four-year-old boys. And I tried to sit down and tried to get myself, maneuver myself under the table. Well, the, the table was this squatty little table. And so my legs were taller really than the table. And so the table ended up kind of resting on my lap, kind of going like up and down. And of course, all the boys are giggling. They just think it's really, it's really funny. So I'm trying to get the control of the class. And then I started my lesson and I was going to talk about God the Father. The moment that I started to talk about God the Father, Walter Vasey doubled his fist and slugged Ben Lampy right in the mouth. <laughs> and I mean, he is crying and bawling. And while I'm trying to deal with that, Jeff Melagin is crawling underneath the table I think he was trying to see why it was going up and down. And David Kidd is trying to tussle with him, trying to get him out from underneath that table. Within five minutes, the class was in chaos. And I knew I was over my head. I didn't, I didn't have training for this. And I'm saying, God... You understand what I'm telling you this morning? I was not up to the assignment that God put in my hands at that moment. There were things happening in this classroom in the invisible dimensions of the spirit, in the hearts and the spirits of those little boys I had no comprehension of at all. I didn't understand their history, nor could I comprehend the invisible spiritual forces that were acting on their lives. Didn't understand that. 
And that class, class was out of control in minutes, and I didn't get it back that day. And that experience put me on my face before God that afternoon. I wanted to quit big time. But here's the interesting thing. Isn't God sneaky? Because a missionary had just come and he'd preached a powerful message and I was under the grip of the Holy Spirit and I came down to the altar and poured myself out and I said, God, I'll do anything, whatever. It's probably the first moment of of my starting to recognize that God had a call in my life for, for ministry, though I didn't acknowledge it at that time. But here I'd been praying, God, I'll do anything. And here I was with my first congregation of five preschool boys. One with a severe learning disability. And I said, God, I can't do this without you. I need your help. Have you ever been in that place? Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Been in that place where you say, God, there is no way on planet Earth that I can do this by myself. I'm facing a situation that I I don't understand. I don't have the knowledge to deal with it. I don't have the experience to deal with it. Well, I've been there many times. And there is a 17-year-old boy trying to be a Sunday school teacher to some troubled boys. I was now in that place. And I had experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit when I was just a young teenager but didn't understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I certainly did not understand a word of wisdom or a, a word of knowledge. I didn't get that. But the Holy Spirit is the great equalizer. That Sunday afternoon, God spoke to me, not in an audible voice, but I'm telling you just as clearly as I am talking to you this morning. And God spoke to me and said, Wayne, I want you to go to the homes of those boys and I'm going to show you some things. And so in obedience to the Lord, I made a visit to every single one of those kids in the class and some that weren't in the class that were supposed to be in the class. I think some parents had taken them out for the kids' safety. (laughs) I don't know. I know I think two teachers had gone out of that class crying and that's why I was there now. But I'll not take you through the journey of all the homes, but I'll start by telling you that what went into Walter's house. And I discovered that his father was an alcoholic who every Friday night came in in a drunken rage and slugged his mother around. I began to realize that when I started talking about God the Father, he was just acting out what he'd seen many times. I didn't know that Jeff's parents were pressured to institutionalize their son because of his disability. But the great equalizer knew all of that and more. He knew that one day Walter would give his little heart to the Lord and become a little soul winner. Actually, three years later, he won the the bicycle for bringing the most kids to church. Yeah, the kid that slugged Ben Lampy. And a few years after that, as a teenager, he persuaded his drunken father to come to church and raise his hand to give his heart to the Lord before he died. And his mother became a staff member of that church. The Holy Spirit knew that because he's the great equalizer. 
And little Jeff got some special love and some special attention and advanced that kid beyond all expectations. And he would see me in the hallway years later when I was no longer his teacher, but he would see me in the hallway and he would run and throw himself into my arms every time. They said he wouldn't make it, but he did because the Holy Spirit is the great equalizer. Ben, the kid that got slugged in the chops, became a pastor of a church in Michigan and served the Lord in pastoring. Look, I couldn't have known any of that, but the great equalizer knew it. He makes you equal to the assignment that God has given to you. In fact, 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so how does this work when, when the odds are against us, when we feel inadequate to the task? How does it, well, let me explain it by going back to when the Holy Spirit first showed up. Because it's like a tutorial of what the Holy Spirit came to do in the first place. And so I want you to go with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. And we're going to read a very familiar passage of Scripture. It's, a, it's about the birth of the church. Pastor Mark shared some great messages before he left for sabbatical on this very subject and on on this very theme. But I'm going to approach this from a different perspective, different than I've ever spoken, uh, preached this. And look at this from the unique perspective of how the Holy Spirit is going to help these early Christians fulfill their mission when they were totally over their heads. Now stop and think about it. Here they are. They're new believers They've not been empowered with the Holy Spirit yet. They're new believers in the resurrection. They're still trying to get their head around the resurrection, let alone the fact that there in front of them, Jesus ascends and goes away into the clouds, leaving them standing there, and all they're supposed to do is just save the world. I mean, it is the first episode of Mission Impossible. Look at what we learn about the Holy Spirit from the very beginning of his visitation upon the church. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a noise like a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and tongues that looked like fire appeared to them, distributing themselves And a tongue rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with different tongues as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out. Church, the day of Pentecost is one of the most important events in the Bible because it serves, in fact, it serves as a foundation for the movement that actually bears its name. We are Pentecostal believers, unashamedly, along with about 500 million or more others around the world who are not ashamed to declare that the Holy Spirit is a contemporary work today and that all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are contemporary for us to have today. That makes us Pentecostal believers. We don't just think it was an event that happened in 33 AD, but that God intended to empower us with His Spirit today. The book of Acts describes the day of Pentecost as this moment in time 
that would change the future eternally. And it was a profound moment, yes, to be remembered, but it doesn't just tell us about how the Holy Spirit empowered them. It's about how the Holy Spirit wants to empower us. And so it's inscribed on the pages of Scripture forever, and the Holy Spirit didn't just descend upon the 12. Now, this is really important. Didn't just descend on the 12 apostles. That's why I say the the book of Acts is not really just about the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. It's about the acts of the Holy Spirit through everyone who believes. But the Holy Spirit descended upon the entire 120 that were obedient enough to wait for 10 days in that upper room. And when the Holy Spirit came, everything changed. He filled them all, not not just the 12, all of them, with power and boldness to preach the gospel. He He lit a fire in all of them to do signs and wonders and miracles and and to reach out to the world that had yet been unconverted. This was not just something reserved for the elite, for the guys that had gone 10 years to, to the rabbinical school and had their PhD in the University of Gamaliel. No, no. The Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say all. All. How many want to be part of the all, right? The great equalizer is introduced as the Holy Spirit. All right, five things. If I have the time, I may not. We'll see what we can get to. But the first thing is this. What did the Holy Spirit come to do? Number one, the Holy Spirit was demonstrating that he is for every believer. That the Holy Spirit is for every believer. It is the fulfillment of a promise that Jesus gave them all before he ascended into heaven. And they would all need this, verse 4 says, and they were all filled. It wasn't something reserved just for the 12. In fact, there were 500 that had heard a message. Where were the 380? I'll talk about that in just a moment. Jesus told his disciples he would send the Holy Spirit to empower them for their mission. And in the fullness of time, when the day of Pentecost arrived, it was exactly as Jesus said it would happen. In fact, it was exactly as the prophet Joel had said it would happen 900 years before that. That it would be for your sons and your daughters, for men and women, that it would be for the rich or the poor, slave or free or whoever. Outpouring of the Holy Spirit was for every single believer. I know that there are some a few teachers that still say Pentecost was just a, a place mark in the timeline of the church. And then after that, the gifts died with the apostles. But what you cannot debate is that that early church, whatever doctrinal persuasion might be emphasized, whether Baptist or Methodist or, or AG or Catholic, whatever, the early church was Pentecostal. That is to say, the infilling of the Holy Spirit was intended for every believer And the empowerment of the Spirit wasn't reserved for a few with a title or a TV program. Pentecost was for every believer. Can I get an amen on that? So if you're here today or you're watching online, 
I want you to hear this word. If Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then so is the Holy Spirit. In this confused world of many voices, let me tell you, we need the voice of the Holy Spirit more than ever. So the Holy Spirit didn't get laryngitis after the canonization of the scriptures, and then he couldn't speak anymore. Oh, no, he's still speaking today. In fact, he's speaking right now, if you're listening. And another thing, the Holy Spirit didn't give up his right. He did not give up his right to heal the sick or do miracles. Mike, thank God for your testimony in the baptismal today. We're still believing for that miracle. Still believing that miracle. Because we all agree, we need the power of the Holy Spirit as much today as they did 2,000 years ago. In fact, in some ways, perhaps more. Every single one of those first believers, they were going to be under tremendous pressure to suppress the gospel message. Yes, there was tremendous harvest of soul. Yes, there were 3,000 saved, probably 3,000 families, not just 3,000 people, the way it's worded in the scripture. Well, guess what? We also face a world of cynicism and unbelief. And just like they needed the power of the Holy Spirit to push back against the persecution and the resistance that they would experience, we need that power today in a similar way. They needed the great equalizer. What else did we see from the introduction to the Holy Spirit? Well, secondly, it was not only for every believer, but it was for every tribe, every race, every nation. There were no racial barriers with the Holy Spirit Come on, can I get an amen on that? No racial barriers. The Holy Spirit was meant to be the greatest unifying force on planet Earth. It was no accident that the people had gathered not only from every tribe of Israel. They had gathered from around the nations. And there they were. Understand, this is more than what happened there. Is that the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples and they were all filled with the same Holy Spirit, but they began to speak with different languages. And understand, this is more than speaking in tongues as the prayer language for our personal edification. This is, this is actually a miracle. It is unique. It is a very unique moment because others were filled with the Holy Spirit. Others spoke with tongues later on. But this is a miracle at Pentecost that the languages of men would be spoken by people who didn't know languages, these languages. And it is a miracle that those hearing would be able to receive any kind of a message when there's 120 people all speaking at one time. So this is a miracle. If all of you started speaking while I'm speaking, guess what? Nobody would be hearing anybody in this room. But the miraculous language isn't even the greatest miracle on that day. Listen, think of this. The great equalizer, the Holy Spirit, is also the great unifier. Because it says he brings 120 together, this tremendous sense of unity in Acts chapter 1, verse 2. It says they were all together. Say the word together. In one place, at one time, in unity. And I've thought sometimes that maybe the reason we don't see the 380 joining them in 120 that were there in that upper room is that it took 10 days for them to get it together. 
And they finally had come to that place of such unity that the Holy Spirit was ready to be poured out upon them. But the Holy Spirit is the great unifier. And out of that unity comes diversity. How do I know that? Because it was for every tribe, every race, and every nation. There is a special reason for the miracle of language as the multitudes had gathered together around that upper room to see this remarkable event. They hearing words of praise and worship that were coming from the 120 in their own native tongue. Now imagine 120 all praising God, worshiping God at the same time, probably with a loud voice in different languages, maybe 120 different languages for all we know. Greek, Aramaic, Hebrew, Crete, and all these other languages that were represented from every nation under heaven, the Bible says in verse 5. I mean, that's that's a figurative statement. But I think that those in the upper room spoke various different languages and probably some spoke in the languages of heaven. Maybe the languages of angels. Paul talks about that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, he talks about the languages of the tongues of men and the tongues of angels. But we see this picture of this diverse body where people from different backgrounds, different cultures, different races, speaking different languages, can all be united under the banner of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they would need each other to complete the mission that God called them to. Folks, we're better together than we are doing a solo act. And let me say this as clearly as I know how. The Holy Spirit didn't just come to flow into us. The Holy Spirit came to flow out of us. Right? Out of your innermost being, Jesus says, will flow rivers of living water. So let me distinguish two kinds of baptism for you. Salvation is when the Holy Spirit draws us to Jesus and baptizes us, if you will, into Jesus. That's what that baptism expressed to us today. The waters showing the old life and coming up in the newness of of Christ, right? The Holy Spirit does that, brings us to Jesus. But when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's Jesus who then baptizes us into the Holy Spirit, to empower us. You say, well, where do you get that? Right from the very beginning. John said, the one who comes after me is mightier than I. He will baptize you, not with the baptism I'm doing right now. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And fire spreads. Fire spreads. I think I was 13 and 14 when uh, my lifelong friend, I've known all these years, Henry, We had just had the hands of God laid on us through the elders of our church, and uh, we were baptized in the Holy Spirit. We experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we came out of that prayer room, and Henry says to me, come with me. He said, I want to show you something. Like, he's 14, I'm 13. He takes me over to the giant missions map in the church, and he points to Paris, France. And he says, God is leading me there to be a missionary. I mean, we're, we're kids. We don't know anything. You know, we're just, all we know is that the fire is in us. 
He didn't understand it then, but today he and his wife have been on the mission field for over 50 years in Paris, France, and they're still baptizing new believers. They're still laying hands on the sick and seeing God do works. Because the Holy Spirit is the great equalizer. Third, the Holy Spirit gave power to the church. He never intended that the church should die because of malaise. He intended that the church would be alive, made up of living stones, made up of people whose hearts are on fire for God. The purpose of the Holy Spirit was infilling of individual believers is so that together the whole church would be on fire for God. Somebody said that the, the fire, when the church is on fire, the whole city will come out to see it burn. And that's true because that's exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost. They came out to see what God was doing. Remember the burning bush? It's exactly the same kind of a thing. God caused that fire to draw Moses to it, and then he got the message to to deliver the people. The fire is to draw people to hear the gospel, not just to sit around the campfire and say, sing Kumbaya. The church was given spiritual power, not just to show off the gifts like the Corinthian church did, made that mistake. No, it was supernatural boldness to preach the gospel. Acts 4.31 says they were all filled with supernatural boldness to preach the gospel. And as a result, we know the thousands. By this time, by the way, there were like eight, let me see, 13,000 people that we know was recorded that had come to Christ at this time. But stop and think about this. Who gave the altar call? Who stood on the balcony of the upper room and gave the altar call? Come on. Do you know? Who was it? Peter? Whoa, wait a minute. You're talking about Peter who failed miserably? Are you talking about Peter who could not believe he could ever be restored? Are we talking about Peter who made mistakes? Are we talking about open mouth, insert foot, Peter? Peter, what? Because the Holy Spirit is the great equalizer. One more, the Holy Spirit is for every generation. Peter makes it clear in Acts 2.39, it is for you, for your children, for your children's children, for your grandchildren, for your great-grandchildren, as many as are afar off, as many as the Lord our God would call. To every generation. Pastor Will, I love to hear the stories of when the kids are at camp and God just does something in their life. I loved hearing what God did in the lives of students in in some of the universities around the country. Things are happening. I I can't believe what I'm hearing. And in Grand Rapids, in our own church, and in Grand Rapids, the, the youth started praying. And then they said, we don't want to stop. And they said, where can we pray? And they said, well, we'll give you the prayer room. They stayed there for three days and signs and wonders took place. And people started gathering just to see the fire burn. I recently witnessed a video of an altar call in Nicaragua where thousands of young people. They were literally running to the stage to get saved running to the stage to say, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, we sometimes think of the apostles with these, these old guys with long beards and see them through the, 
through the stained glass uh, windows of biblical history. But the truth is, some of those apostles, when they were disciples, were probably teenagers. We know Mark was. We know that they probably were in college age type, you know, millennial type age, we would call it today, or even younger. Yes, some were older. We know they had families. We know that Peter, for example, was married. We know John wrote the book of Revelation when he was 90, but he was probably 30 when he was following Jesus. James and John, sons of thunder, he called them. The zealot, right? Simon the zealot. These were young, energetic, hot-headed sometimes guys, young people. But the Holy Spirit is the great equalizer. God uses the young and the old. Joel's promise, which Peter quotes in Acts 2, was that the Holy Spirit would empower the young and the old. The Spirit of God does not put a statute of limitations on any generational group. He chose Mary as a young virgin when she was, who knows, maybe 15 years old. But God also called Moses when he was 80. Man, God used Noah when he was 120. Baby, there's, there's room for us in this story. It doesn't matter whether you're a young person or an older person. Somewhere in between, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit wants to use you. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you. The Holy, wants to, Holy Spirit wants to set your heart on fire. There is not a generation that God cannot use to call to shake the nations of this world and to carry out the commission that Jesus gave to disciple the nations. Not a generation. Did you know the average age of a new missionary is like in their 20s? They're giving their life forever. And yet, it was an elderly missionary, thank God, by the name of Gladys Pearson, who was used of the Holy Spirit to kick Kathy and me out of our youth pastor nest in Detroit and sent us to pastor in Grand Rapids. I was 28, Kathy was 26, and believe me when I tell you, we did not know what we were doing. I tell you, every generation needs its own Pentecost. And the great equalizer bridges the generation gap. I'll put the point up. I don't have the time to to share it, but the Holy Spirit is for every lost soul. Are you a lost soul today? You know, I guarantee there's somebody watching that's a lost soul. Guaranteed. Crowd like this. Somebody in here feels like a lost soul. I want to tell you the Holy Spirit is for you. It is for you. Without the Holy Spirit, our efforts to share the gospel would be totally fruitless. That's probably why it's so intimidating to share the gospel. It's more intimidating when it's somebody who is maybe a person in authority in our life or someone that we respect, great respect, uh, or someone that we don't want to be embarrassed in front of them. Sometimes we're afraid we're going to embarrass God. But I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit is the great what? The great equalizer. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say, but I've never laid hands on anybody to pray for the sick. 
Oh, but the Holy Spirit is the great equalizer. You say, but I don't know. This culture today is so anti-God. Yeah, but the Holy Spirit knew that, and he's the great equalizer. Thank God the great equalizer is here. When that 10-year-old boy stood at the railing of the banister overlooking our family room, speaking that message, God knew he'd be sitting here today on this front row as your senior pastor. Because the equalizer. I remember, Mark, when you called from Southeastern University. He didn't go there with the intent of being a preacher, I will tell you that. Probably went to goof off. That's why he probably did. E, whatever it was, E3, E4, whatever that, E7. It will never be the same again, I can tell you that. But Mark, I'll never forget when you called us that morning after a chapel service and you couldn't speak for weeping. And I knew it wasn't tears of sadness. It was the brokenness of a young man who had met the Spirit of God in the most private room in his heart. And any vestige of resistance to ministry was met by the great equalizer who said, I will make you equal to any task that I'm going to assign you. Any task. I tell you, the great equalizer is here this morning. And there is not an assignment from God that he cannot make you rise up to in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus Christ. Now loose your spirit to do its work. Draw us to the fire, even as you did in those days on the day of Pentecost. We humble ourselves to admit that without you, we can do nothing that you've called us to do. But you sent the great equalizer. And he's here right now. Spirit of the living God, fall on us, we pray in Jesus' name. You can lift your eyes because I'm going to ask Pastor Will and Pastor Mark. They're going to come to close this service in a unique way today. I'm going to ask for the millennials and the Gen Zs and whether you're single or some of you are old enough maybe to be married, you're already starting a family. But young people, maybe 25 or under or so, maybe whatever millennial is, I don't know, I can't catch up with that stuff, but you know who you are. Because I want the Holy Spirit to touch you today. And I want Pastor Will, I've asked him to pray over you. And then Pastor Mark is going to pray over the rest of the congregation. But I'd like to do this in a demonstration of our confidence and our faith in God's ability to do this. So would you all stand together, please? And I'm going to ask every millennial, every Gen Z, every the young people, young, younger couples, would you just come and gather around the front as we extend our faith towards you? Come on, as the worship team sings. Lead us, please. So I throw up my hands praise you again and again. So that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah. And I know it's not. 
this moment I'm reminded of the first time you gave me a burden for this generation and father I knew that the anointing and the empowerment that was necessary for my life in, in order to declare your truth I'm asking for you Holy Spirit to place that same anointing and empowerment upon these young people upon amongst my peers father that they have uh, that you give them gifts Holy Spirit that you give them the gifts as you see fit to be able to give words of knowledge words of wisdom to have discernment father that you pour out your spirit on them in a unique and special way as pastor wayne has already said every generation needs a pentecost father may that take place in our generation today may it take place in this moment holy spirit will you do the impossible in their life on college campuses in their jobs in the classrooms on school buses in malls wherever these young people are father i pray that you speak through them that you use us to shake the nations holy spirit do what you've always promised to do in your word i ask for a special enablement of of power that we see gifts operate, that we see miracles, signs, and wonders, that we see healings take place, not so that we can be glorified, but so that you can be glorified. Give us the boldness to witness and preach your truth. Let us lean on your word. Let us not just love you, but let us love your word. Let this generation be marked by your promises and by your scripture. Father, may these young people, may these, these young men be husbands, godly husbands may these young women be godly wives and mothers use us to set generations after us free i am reminded that in your word when you speak a promise to one generation it is for every generation that comes after so whatever you speak to them in this moment whether it's missionary lawyer whatever it is in the workforce uh father i just pray that you continue to use them in such a mighty and unique way that your hand is on us and that, you're that we can't go another day without seeking your presence. Father, speak to us in such a way that maybe we might even have the words to describe the moment. But we know that it is you. May there be a sense of your hand on us in this moment right now. Anoint us, Holy Spirit. Anoint us afresh and anew. So that we can carry the message of the gospel forward. We ask this in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now I want you to look up here at me. I want to remind you of that 10-year-old boy. I promise you, I didn't have all the words to say. I didn't have all the intellect. 
I didn't have all the articulation skills, right? I didn't have all of those biblical, theological, hermeneutical ways of communicating the gospel. All I knew was I was filled with something that was deeper than me, that was greater than me, that was more significant than me. And when I knew that I was filled with something that was greater than me, I knew I had something to give away. I want you to know you have something to give. You don't have to have it all down and have it all just right. All you have to do is have the power of the living God and something inside of you says, it's bigger than me. Now all I have to do is open my mouth and be willing to receive so that I can have something to give. So friends, it's time to for you to give. It's time for you to give. You've been empowered. Now it's time for you to give. Here's what I'd like for you to do. Everyone that's here at the front, what I'd like for you to do is I want you to just simply turn around and face those that are older than you. Just turn around and face those that are older than you, and I want you to stretch your hands out toward them that they might receive what's inside of you. Come on, just begin to pray however you want. Whatever's inside of your heart, you just begin to pray. God, touch those that are before us, Lord, the generations that are before us. Come on, just begin to articulate those words right now of faith, whatever they may be. You may be prophesying over the generations before you right now just begin to speak over them life speak over them health speak over them strength in Jesus name now I want you as a congregation to receive this blessing right now come on receive right now from the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus name I declare over this church that we may be spirit-filled empowered by the living God empowered by the Word of God that it may flow forth from us us to touch the next generation let us be the kingdom seekers the kingdom builders Lord Jesus let us be the ones that carry the gospel message Lord even when we feel inadequate or imperfect let us be like the Apostle Peter that is filled with the Spirit and stands on the day of Pentecost and that thousands come to know the good news of Jesus Christ because of our willingness to walk out our faith to live out our faith and to communicate our faith God I pray in Jesus name this next season of this church and the lives of these that are standing before me they would be never the same again let this be a new season right now that begins in us that says we will do your work God I thank you that you had us in your mind as plan a for reaching the wiregrass area Lord and you don't have a plan B in mind we are the generation and so now we stand boldly declaring we will be the ones to do the work. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and bring you peace. And may the Lord our God write his name on your heart and declare you're my child. No one can take you from my hand. And may you know the kingdom of God within you is worth sharing. I release you to be a blessing to your friends and your family and your co-workers. I bless you to be a blessing to your grandchildren and your future great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren by living out the legacy of faith I bless you in Jesus name amen and if you receive it can you shout amen and give God some praise in this house come on
God bless you. We love you. Have a Jesus-filled rest of the week and know that God is in you and with you and he will go ahead of you. God bless you. We'll see those that are first-time guests out in our foyer. Just turn to the left and we've got a guest reception for you. God bless you. We love you. You're dismissed.